0: Heights to the depths of the sea.
1: The scripture here peels back the the supernatural veil, and we see the very throne room of God. Isn't that exactly what happened? A cruel messenger will be sent against him. Yes, a cruel messenger, an evil spirit, is going to intervene and take control of the minds of all the prophets that Ahab had on his payroll. And they all prophesied the same thing because they were all under the same delusion.
0: Let's Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Ahab called on unfaithful prophets such as Zedekiah who prophesied in the name of the Lord, but they didn't prophesy truthfully. It is best to regard these not as pagan prophets, but unfaithful prophets to the true God. Perhaps these were true followers of Yahweh who were seduced by Ahab's sincere but shallow repentance three years before. After that, they began to align themselves with Ahab uncritically. Three years later, they were willing to prophesy lies to Ahab if that was what he wanted to hear. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress.
1: Let not the king say such things. And then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah quickly. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before him. Now Zedekiah, the son of are. Chena'ana, I'm a butcher that name, had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. And then the messenger who had gone to call Micahiah, spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets, with, with one accord, encouraged the king, Please, Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king So the king said, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then he said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains. Finally, the prophet comes clean here. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master and let each one return to his house in peace And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by, and on his right hand, and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look. Micaiah says to them, The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chena'ana, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the spirit from the Lord go for me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. And so the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, and the Lord has not spoken by me. or I'm sorry. If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel, Ahab, he disguised himself and went into the battle. Now the king of Assyria, or king of Syria, excuse me, had commanded the 32 captains of his chariot, saying, Fight with no one, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And so it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. Therefore they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened, when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And now a certain man drew a bow at random with an arrow, and he let it go and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians, and died at evening. And the blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot, Then as the sun was going down, a shout went out throughout the army, saying, Every man to his tent, and every man to his country. And so the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood while the harlots bathed according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken Now the rest of the acts of Ahab, and all that he did, the ivory house which he built, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab rested with his fathers, and then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. And so we're just going to stop right there and kind of get into this, and then we'll get to the rest of the chapter. But just to kind of give you the context of what's happening here, and let's go back to to verse 1 here. And, and I just want to encourage you to read Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 18, uh, because Second Chronicles 18 is the parallel chapter to this passage that we're looking at tonight. Uh, it's pretty much verbatim what we're reading here, but as you know, first and Second Chronicles were the chronicles of the kings of Judah. They were the chronicles of the kings of Judah, not the kings of Israel. That, that whole body of uh, scripts or manuscripts is non-existent, or, or it hasn't been found. But the first and second chronicles are all about the kings of Judah. And so, um, so check that out, because uh, there will be a little bit more information there in chronicles. So let's go back to verse 1, and and it says that there was uh, three years that had passed. And notice in verse 2, it says that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And one thing you have to know is that Israel is, um, even though Israel, or or Jerusalem, um, Jerusalem is the place for the king of Judah, Anytime that you you leave Jerusalem, you're always going down. So even if you're going north, west, east, south, it doesn't matter. You are on a mountain range. Israel, or Jerusalem, excuse me, is on a mountain range. It's called the Mount Moriah. It's actually a mountain range. And Jerusalem is at the top of it. And so wherever you go from Israel, you'll notice this throughout the scripture, Whoever's in Jerusalem, when they go anywhere, they're going down. Even though you're looking at a map and going, wait, they're going north, they're going up. Because it's talking about the elevation. From where it's coming from, from where they're coming from, down to wherever it is, regardless of of where the city is. In Psalm 48, it says this, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. So it says highly elevated city, a city on a hill that can't be hid. And so notice that Jehoshaphat, he goes down now from Jerusalem. And that ought to tell you something, just a little bit of foreboding, a little bit of foreshadowing. Is he going up? No, he's going down. <laughs> he, he's going down, and it's not a good thing. Uh, Jehoshaphat, who was one of Israel's, one of Judah's best kings... Not all of them were great. there was a handful that were really good. All the northern ten tri or all the northern ten uh, the, the northern tri the northern kingdom, all the kings were evil, and most of, many of them in the southern kingdom of Judah were evil too. but there were a handful of gems. There were a handful of men that were kings that were what we call reformer kings they They followed the Lord with all of their heart and um, and, and, and you have to ask yourself because Jehoshaphat was a good king, you wonder what he was doing coming to the king of Israel, who was a known idolater and an evil king. Perhaps Jehoshaphat thought he could be a positive influence on Ahab. It's perhaps. We don't know the motives other than that they're both now going to go to battle against a common enemy, and that common enemy was Syria. Syria to the north, uh, to the northeast, of, of Israel. And so, you got Israel here, you know, and King Ahab, and you got Jehoshaphat with the, the southern two tribes, so, uh, obviously, Israel is more concerned about this impeding um, force, the Aramaeans, the Syrians, from coming down from the north. And so, maybe Jehoshaphat is thinking to himself, well, if I can help my brother in the north, if we can come together and fight this enemy, then I'm actually doing Judah a favor too, because... If we fight them on his ground in the north, then it's that much less likely he's going to invade us. Maybe that was his motive. And that, that would be a good enough motive. But he was becoming confederate with an evil man. Does that sound like a good thing for a, a, a believer? To be unequally yoked? We read that in Corinthians. And so it says in verse three that the king of Israel said to his servants, "Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours?" Now, Ramoth Gilead is uh, a city that belonged to the certainly the king Ahab, the king of this northern ten tribes. And Ramoth Gilead was way on the eastern side. If you think of the Jordan Valley, like the Sea of Galilee in the north, and then you got this Jordan River going down, and then the Dead Sea. This Ramoth Gilead would be over on the on the eastern side of the Jordan, and today what you and I would call Jordan, and it would be over there. and And it was a city that the Arameans, the Syrians, were going to attack, and so this is where they go. And so, notice in verse four what Jehoshaphat says to Ahab, you know, because Ahab wants him to go with them to uh, to. To bring Ramoth Gilead back into their sphere of influence because Syria had taken that city, a very important city, and has kind of uh, taken it over. And so he's like, Help me go get this city back. And so he does. And and what does he say in verse 4? I'm really puzzled by this. Jehoshaphat says, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and my horses as your horses. I find this very puzzling. Because Jehoshaphat had a whole different spirit than Ahab did. He made his mistake. This is one of the biggest mistakes that Jehoshaphat made in his career. Other than that, he was a fantastic leader. He actually brought a revival, in a sense, back to, back to Judah and Jerusalem. So what is he doing? Perhaps his motive is what I said prior, Perhaps. Later on, it's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 8 that Ahab would ultimately give his daughter, Athaliah, to Jehoshaphat's son, who was going to, after Jehoshaphat dies, his son Jehoram would be married to this woman, Athaliah, who was Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. I don't know about you guys, but if I knew that Ahab and Jezebel had a daughter, I think I'm going to stay away from her. Because her mom and dad were really bad, and she was evil as well. So, you know, I think I would just, you know, when I heard her name, I would just run the opposite direction. But no, he makes this league with them. And you can see just the breakdown of humanity, (laughs) you know, that we're just so prone to wander, aren't we, all of us? And God, throughout the Bible, it's a proof text that apart from him, we are helplessly and hopelessly lost. Apart from obedience and listening to him, we are a mess. We are a mess. And kings did this kind of thing to intermarry with, like that to, uh, for their own for goodwill and security in their alliances. And yes, they were brothers. I mean, think about it. They all came from Jacob. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons. He had 12 sons, Jacob, remember? Levi and Manasseh and Judah and all the rest of them. And they all went into into Israel, into Canaan. They took over that land and they separated the the different areas and they, they had their tribal allotments of land. So in a sense, yes, they were brothers in that regard, but only in that. Because there was a different spirit about Ahab and a different spirit of Jehoshaphat. A very interesting thing. And it was a very convenient league that they had uh, joined together because now they were going against a, a common enemy. And isn't that true? Sometimes there can be two enemies, but when they've got a greater enemy, these two enemies will say, you know what, let's just put our differences aside, we've got bigger problems. And that is true in, world, in the world today. It's true in the world today. If there's a bigger enemy, people forget about their differences. Look, we've got to get this guy off our tail because he's driving us nuts. And if we don't do it, he's going to take over our country, and then he's coming after you. So let's join together. We'll like each other for now until we kill this guy, and then we'll go back to hating each other. Sound good? And everyone says, yes, sign the peace agreement. And they do, and they sign it, and then they violate it. But anyway, but what does Ephesians tell us? Concerning this Jehoshaphat, in Ephesians 5 it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Jehoshaphat shouldn't have been joining him, he should have been exposing him. What does it say in Proverbs 24, verse 20? For there will be no respect or no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who are given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin of those Two can bring, and this word I love this when it says, "Do not associate with those given to change." This word in the in the um, in the original language in Hebrew it literally means to change or alter one's disguise. And doesn't that sound familiar with what 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 would just happen with Ahab in battle? What did he do? He disguised himself. He was willing to be the chameleon. He was willing to do anything he could to slip out from underneath this judgment that God had passed on. He thought that he could elude God's Prophecy. God knew what was going to happen. And he even tried to disguise himself. And Jehoshaphat, I mean, what was he thinking? They're going to come after the king, right? (laughs) And and, and now the only one wearing the kingly robes is the guy who was innocent, who was actually a pretty decent guy. And Ahab says, hey, I'm going to disguise myself and put myself in armor like everybody else, but you wear the robes and the kingly robes. (laughs) Okay. And he does. And he almost—it almost cost him his life, didn't it? It almost. Yet God, but God intervened. I love it. In Proverbs seventeen verse eleven, it says, "An evil man seeks only rebellion; therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him." And isn't that what happened in the? As as they, uh, the scripture here peels back the the supernatural veil and we see the very throne room of God. Isn't that exactly what happened? A cruel messenger will be sent against him. Yes, a cruel messenger, an evil spirit is going to intervene and take control of the minds of all of the prophets that Ahab had on his payroll. And they all prophesied the same thing because they were all under the same delusion. But one guy, Micaiah, was not one of those people. So Ahab was an evil man, although he did have seeds of humility in his heart. And his wife Jezebel, she was a devil worshiper. Yes, she was a devil worshiper. Because any, any god, lowercase g, that is worshipped in the world, other than God himself, is the power behind that god, lowercase g, is a demonic entity. Yes, and let me just go on record and say, Allah is a demon those who who worship buddha it's it 's a devil. those who follow the jehovah 's witness that that believe that God is that Jesus is not the Son of God that he 's not God in the flesh, the spirit behind that that religion is demonic because it keeps you away from Jesus, and there are even some Protestant churches that are teaching whacked out things that are not found in the Bible that are also the same. How important is the Word of God? How important is it for us to study it and to understand the nature of God and the heart of God? Isn't it written for our nurture and our admonition? Isn't it here for us to grow by? And yes, it does offend us. And the old nature needs to be offended. (laughs) Because if it doesn't offend me, then I, don't, then I don't realize how sick I am. And if, I'm not, if I don't realize how sick I am, then why am I going to need a, uh, a physician? And who is the grand and divine physician? Jesus, because we were all sick. I was sick. I was dying in my sin, and the Lord saved my soul when I wasn't even looking for him. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe that's happened to you. But the writing was on the wall for Ahab, and, and we shall see because he, he wasn't obedient. And Jehoshaphat would also be warned and rebuked of God for engaging with Ahab. In Second Chronicles 19, this is what God tells him. After this battle that we just read, God comes to him, a man by the name of Hanani, uh, Yehu, I'm sorry, the son of Hanani the seer, who was basically a prophet. He comes to Jehoshaphat after this whole thing is over with. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely from this battle to his own house. This is recorded in Second Chronicles 19, the first three verses. And, and Yehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him, and he said to king Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Question mark, exclamation point. Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, Jehoshaphat, and that you have removed the wooden images from the land, the the images of Asherah, the the wooden uh, symbols that they would worship from the land. And you've prepared your heart to seek God, but you've done a really bad thing. And God rebukes him for it. And does God rebuke him because he hates him? No, he rebukes him because he loves him. Why did our parents you know, bring uh, judgment upon us. You know, maybe maybe they did a little too much, you know. But, you know, some, we, we were chastened as children because our parents loved us. Hopefully, I mean, some went over the edge and they had issues and problems and maybe even alcohol issues and people were beaten a little longer than they should have been. But you know what? I had the belt come after me many times when I was little. And I tell you right now, I am so glad my mother didn't listen to my whimpering and my crying. She loved me dearly, and she still does. But you know what? She knew that I couldn't continue like nothing has happened. I had to be disciplined. And yes, it was painful, and I learned a great deal. I don't know about you, but I really learn from pain. I learn really quickly in pain, and I actually like it that way. I'd much prefer, if I'm going in a wrong direction, Lord, just... Wake me up in the middle of the night and give me a terror. (laughs) If I'm doing something wrong, if I'm going in the wrong direction, Lord, you intervene and just shake my cage. I want that. I don't want to go against him. I don't even want my own emotions to go against him. I want, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? I want to do that thing because I know that in that is the place of blessedness. I know that in obedience to your word, regardless, I'm going to be blessed. And in the end, I'm going to look back and go, wow.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings.